0: Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. It's uh, just the two of us here tonight, me and Baldy. I've uh, managed to convince someone to come on and let me talk about Glenn Phillips for 20 minutes. So uh, we'll be coming up right after this. So Baldy, we're back. Like I said, uh, pretty much uh, just that uh, Glenn Phillips classic last night. And I messaged the the boys and said, look, someone's got to let me come on and talk about this. I think we talked last week about how New Zealand I just had didn't have high hopes for them I was actually really worried about that Sri Lanka game but then just you know 15 for three and Glenn Phillips comes on and does it again so um, thanks very much for for joining me uh, you're like my guest today to let me just ramble away well let's let's open up
1: with that I mean there's been a hell of a game just finished um, in the last sort of 20 minutes or so at Bangladesh and Zimbabwe coming going right down to the wire in a little bit of controversy on the second to last ball, but let's open up with New Zealand. I mean, you, you touched on it earlier. It was a case of um, perhaps a single moment defining that game. And that was the, the really the drop catch of Glenn Phillips when he was on a dozen or so. It was a pretty straightforward um, catch at deep long off. It was put down. You would expect it to be taken in, at a club cricket level. I certainly, I certainly, when it came off Phillips' bat, thought, oh, it's going to be 20 for four here and New Zealand in real, real trouble as it was catch put down and that was really the defining moment of that match Philip when Phillips goes on to score an incredible hundred uh from a runner ball to you know a hundred off 80 odd just an incredible innings from him and you know showed a lot of um patience showed a lot of poise handy to have Daryl Mitchell there at the other end who is who is incredibly uh poised in terms of the way he goes about his cricket but an outstanding
0: outcome for for Glenn Phillips and then for New Zealand Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, not, not the best day for uh, Patam Nasanka, who dropped that <laughs> dropped that catch that, like you say, was pretty pretty important. New Zealand would have been 29 for four at that stage. And, yeah, not, I mean, they, they touched on it a little bit in the commentary, but not a lot of batting to come. We had Nishim, but who they, they obviously wanted to come later on in the innings. And then it was into Santner and, and the bowlers. So, yeah, would have been a, a massive uphill struggle for that. He hit that ball, Phillips, and I went, oh, no, what are you doing? And then, yeah, goes down, and then Nasanka comes out, gets a fifth ball duck himself. But I really like that you mentioned Compose there because I think that was a, a huge part of that. They, um, they they managed to, I think, after that, maybe that was kind of their shock, right? That happened, and Mitchell and Mitchell and Phillips must have talked after that and gone, "Look, we just have to get to a a certain amount, you know, a certain amount of overs, 10, 12, 14 whatever it was," because I mean, Michael Clark in the commentary, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, he said at the ten, I think it was about the tenth over, eleventh over. New Zealand must have been in the fifties, I think. And he said, "Look, New Zealand could still get 170 here. I, I think they will still get 170. This, um, you know, SCG ground, you get wickets in hand, you keep your wickets in hand, and you go, you know, go big at the end." And I, I honestly thought he was drunk. I was like, "What on earth is he talking about? How can they get 170 from here?" But Massive credit to him. He was, he was right, and uh, they just turned it on at the end after they stuck out for that tough, tough period.
1: And it was a tough period early on. I mean, uh, Sri Lanka bowled really, really well at the top. They they had great matchups against Finn Allen and against Devon Conway. Those were arguably dismissals that the batsmen created themselves by trying to give themselves room where there wasn't any. Um, but there was, there was excellent captaincy and planning from Sri Lanka to have you know, New Zealand two for seven in the third over. And then um, Rajita um, bowled a brilliant delivery to get Kane Williamson out, caught behind driving on the up. And New Zealand were in trouble there after four overs at three for 15. They were three for 25 at the end of the power play and were only, I think, 50 or 60 odd after 10 overs. They got 90, I think, off their last seven or eight. So New Zealand really did cash in at the back end of the game. But what they did, I think, exceptionally well is they turned the pressure onto Sri Lanka not by hitting big boundaries but by running really well between wickets and as they started to turn up that pressure by running really hard between the wickets you saw Sri Lanka go from a side that was well on top to a side that fumbled the ball they were missing the ball in the field new zealand were able to take second runs on misfields they were able to get singles on misfields so i think that was the that was the real key component of their game in that sort of overs 5 to 11 where they took Sri Lanka out of their game with their running between the wickets and to the point where Glenn Phillips at one point was lining up like Usain Bolt out of the blocks um, <laughs> to, to get down the other end and I mean to be fair I think Glenn Phillips said it himself he had the, the arms and legs crossed over but you know first time for everything and I, and I think it was great <laughs> uh, great innovation from Glenn Phillips but just a, a superb innings from Glenn Phillips to carry that um, to carry that I looked at the Crick Info impact scores 182.6 to put it in perspective the Coley innings from the other night was 115 so it just goes wow. to show how far above the rest of his cohort Finna- um, Glenn Phillips I should say was on that particular evening and then you know the the regulars did the job for New Zealand with the ball and that must have been really pleasing for you as well Stu
0: Oh, absolutely. And look, just before we leave Phillips um, I, or, and and move on to the bowling, you touched on it there, the, the fielding. Not to give Michael Clark too much credit, it's not something I like to do, but he said the exact same thing again in, in commentary about how uh Sri Lanka just kind of sat back d- and during that period, and that really rubbed off on the field. They sort of went into that mode where that power play came finished, and they put all the fielders back. They didn't leave anyone there to kind of take you know, take a chance, create a chance, force New Zealand to go over the top and do something different. And they built to that 10 over mark and then they did just capitalize. And what I I mean, what I think was amazing about Phillips' innings and almost the way that he's played in the last year or so, probably even before that actually, is that it's so clear how much, it's often talked about how much strength work he does. And I think even when we talked to Robbie O'Donnell, Uh, a couple of years ago about, um, you know, when we were talking to all the domestic captains and he talked about how Glenn Phillips was just doing push-ups in his room at the CPL. And it's paying off massive dividends because some of those balls last night, he's not getting them. He's not hitting them out of the middle, but they're carrying over the rope. And he's managing to kind of club them and force them over the rope, which is, yeah, it was sort of, masterclass innings but I, I wouldn't say that that many of the shots were you know absolutely spectacular he was just able to kind of find a boundary whenever he needed it and yeah just very very good and I mean yeah like you say bowling was was top draw yep absolutely the, the thing that
1: struck me early doors was he hit the ball along the ground through the offside he hit the ball through the field really really nicely and he and he's got really fast hands he's strong He's got really fast hands, and he was just picking gaps through that offside. I thought it was a really, really measured performance from him to identify, look, I'm not going to get caught. I don't want to be caught here 20 off 20. I want to be at the back end of the innings. I've got to hit the ball along the ground, and he did that until he was ready to take risks, and then he hit the ball over the top. Let's just go to the bowlers, Stu, because 167 is a good score, but it's a score that Sri Lanka probably thought they were a good chance to chase down going into that first over. But Southie and Bolt, once again, just did a tremendous job for New Zealand. You know, after the fourth over, Sri Lanka were four down for eight runs and the game was over at that point. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of said that it was a score that uh, Sri Lanka probably thought they could chase down because it almost seemed like when New Zealand got those early wickets, everyone kind of just decided that was game over. But even when rajapaska Pasca was going... Like the the one sort of time that Sri Lanka started to build a bit of a partnership, they were actually ahead of the run, like ahead of where New Zealand was in terms of runs at that point. Obviously, they'd lost a couple more wickets, but the run rate was never really going to be an issue, and if they kept wickets in hand, and yeah, I mean, Trent Bolt and Southey, I don't know, we we've talked about how good they are as a, a combo many many times, but Bolt seemed to be fired up last night, which was was really nice to see. He was yeah, he just running in and, um, you know, seem to, a bit of emotion, which sometimes he doesn't seem to have. And Tim South, Tim South is kind of the unsung hero, I think, of these first two games for New Zealand. I think Raj said it last time about how he his spell against Australia probably didn't get enough credit you know, three for six, and then he's done it again in this game, one for 12 against Sri Lanka, and just set the tone in that first wicket, wicket made, and, and yeah, like you saying, didn't look back from there.
1: Mm. Trent Bott will get all the plaudits
0: for his four for 13 off four overs, but Tim
1: Southey was, was excellent early doors, uh, and just really didn't give Sri Lanka any chance to build momentum in the power play, didn't give them any chance to hit boundaries. Uh, so, I, yeah, I thought it was a terrific performance from from. Uh, Southie and Bolton. It meant that Lockie Ferguson could come and just bowl a bit more freely. He didn't have a lot of pressure on him. He didn't have to figure out, oh, if I make one mistake, I'm going to go here. Um, so, you know, he picked up one for 35, but I think he bowled a little bit better than that. And he got the big wicket of uh, Roger Pucksa there to to really make, pretty much put the icing on the cake, really. I, I think it was hard for Sri Lanka to come back from sort of 70, oh, 50, 58 for six at the at the halfway mark.
0: Yeah, I think when he was out, that was, like you say, that was it. I still think there are question marks. You know, obviously this, we're raving about this performance. It was in, you know, Phillips, Phillips, Bolt, Southie, even Santner, I thought has bowled really well in this tournament so far. I think sort of one of those things where his bad balls are going to fielders now. He ran in yesterday, bowled his first ball, bit of a half-tracker, hit to the deep mid-wicket boundary, gets a wicket, and then started bowling with really nice pace, bowled at really nice length. Kane even put a slip in. Kane put the slip in, took the wicket there. You know, it, things are sort of going well for him. And when that happens as a spinner, you get the confidence. On the flip side to that, they're not going well for Ish Sodi. And, and he seems to be forcing it. Raja Pasca, a, again, yesterday, when, you know, was able to kind of get into Ish. And when that happened, he sort of didn't, it didn't seem like he backed himself. And I'd really just love to see him when he when he was out, he started tossing it up and looked like a much better bowler. So mm. yeah, I think there are big question marks and, and actually I start to wonder whether they consider bringing in someone like Adam Milne for, for Sodi in the, in the next game against England. Lockie even as well. I, I'm really torn on, on him. He, he doesn't look at his best, but he did have some really nice stuff yesterday. So yeah, I don't know. It was a, a very, very strong performance. I, I, um, I was thinking at the start of that game I mentioned it before I was really worried and I was trying to figure out why and I went back and looked at all the World Cups and New Zealand's have New Zealand's record against Sri Lanka in World Cups is like 9 wins for Sri Lanka 3 wins for New Zealand since since 2003 that they have 100% been our bogey team and and actually two of the wins have been in the latest tournaments in 2015 and 2019 at the ODI World Cups but Yeah, it just seemed like they would always beat us in really important games, beating us in quarterfinals and semifinals. So it wasn't a game that I thought, you know, had a huge deal of confidence. I was very nervous going into it, but yeah, definitely take a a nice, comfortable win like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It puts New Zealand in with a really good showing now in in that Group 1. And in terms of being able to have control of their own destiny now... Uh, There have been a a bunch of washed-out games. Let's just touch on this game that's just finished. Before we get on to the draw and the rain and and the permutations of who's going to finish where in in Group 1 and Group 2, let's just have a look at this Bangladesh game. You you were watching it live just now before we came on air. Talk us through the last couple of overs there
0: and and the drama to, to finish the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, by the time this comes out, you know, this game's obviously... A few hours old, probably an evening old, and um, you know, you, you might have had some other results in there as well. But look, yeah, the I think you should go back and watch the last couple of overs. Sean Williams doing a great job trying to get Zimbabwe home there. Played a great innings, looked like he was gonna get Zimbabwe home for a while, hit a couple of boundaries, got it down to sixteen off nine, I think it was, sixteen off eight, and then hits one just wide of the bowler and Shaqib runs him out. Great piece of fielding. And you're sort of thinking, oh, no, like, that's it. He's out. Game over. 16 off the last over. And again, it comes down. it comes down, And then suddenly, Nag- Nagarava hits a swivel, sweep, pull, six. Suddenly, it's five off two. And you're thinking, oh, wow, Zimbabwe can do this. And actually, I think if Zimbabwe had beaten Bangladesh, you know, spoiler alert, I think people would have seen the, the result by now. But if they'd have beaten Bangladesh, that would have been a huge chance to qualify, I think, in this pool. But, you know, we get a stumped. Blessing Blessing comes out and has to hit a four off the last ball to tie it. He's stumped, but then suddenly they go upstairs. Seemed like a completely pointless review. Everyone's walking off the field, shaking hands, umpires, everything. And they go upstairs. One of Binksy's pet hates. The keepers caught it. Two centimeters in front of the stumps, and it's a no-ball. Pommie and Bung was shouting in the commentary box. The stumps must go back into the ground. Everyone's losing it, and uh, you know, suddenly, and then uh, the biggest anticlimax in the world—that he comes out, uh, Mossadegh bowls the ball again, and uh, and Blessing misses it again. <laughs> so, you know, after all of that effort, it's Bangladesh still gets home. But yeah, I think if you haven't seen it, it's a it's a great piece of theatre, and I, I think just a, another you know, reflection of what, what a tournament this is, this has been. I'm, I'm sure we're, you know, we'll touch on the rain at some point, but these, these upsets that are coming. And I mean, yes, I don't even know if that would have been an upset because I don't even think Bangladesh is, is playing very well at the moment, but some, the way Zimbabwe beat Pakistan the other night, Sikandar Raza at it again, Ireland. I mean, yeah, this tournament is just throwing up game after game of tight finishes and, and quality performances, from all the teams.
1: Absolutely. I mean, what's what's fascinating now is the scenario in both groups where uh, in group one with two games to play, there are three points separating first and last in the group. Um, four teams, oh sorry, three teams are, are on three points. Um, Ireland is one of them. Uh, Sri Lanka is on two points. They're only one game behind. New Zealand having played Three with two wins and a no result are at the top of the group, but you know anything could happen from here on in in Group One. And then, as we talked about just before we came here, there's a massive game on tonight. Um, you know, there's there's one point separating the top four teams. Pakistan look like they're out at zero and two, but if you have a look at their draw, if they win out from here and results, you know, go in in, in a certain way, Pakistan could finish second in the group. Their net run rate's about even. Zimbabwe's net run rate's about even South Africa's net run rate is plus five, but you know, they're no certainty to get out of the group either. So there's some, there's some absolute drama still to come. And I think as Binksy said last week at this week in cricket, there's, you know, he said, I think there's a twist in the tail yet. Well, we've seen three or four twists um, already. And I think there's, there's more to come.
0: Yeah. Look, probably not the twist in the tail that he wanted uh, was that um, Ireland's England's uh, victory. I mean, you know, he he did also predict Ireland to to finish third in that group, but I'm sure, yeah, it hasn't played out the way he wanted in, in terms of uh, beating England. It was a that was sort of another weird game. Rain, you know, rain disrupted. I think a lot of people will probably think England's maybe a bit robbed there. That you know, Mo Ali was just getting going. Liam Livingston had just come in. England was a real chance but I actually think it was it was another game that was going down to the wire mm. a game where you sort of thought okay like Ireland have batted well here but they probably haven't quite got enough England's got a really deep batting lineup but Fion, probably the moment when Feon hand bowled Ben Stokes awesome delivery and you just thought here we go like this is this is happening here England's England's in big trouble and yeah I mean I feel like it's such a shame that the rain ended that game when it did, and because we were going to a, another classic finish. But it has thrown that pool, as you say, completely wide open. And you know, there's there's talk now of rain potentially going to disrupt the uh, England-New Zealand game on Tuesday night. Some, you know, who knows what's going to happen two days out from from uh, looking at meteorological reports. I really hope it doesn't because we want, yeah, I think we just want this to be determined on the field now because, yeah, if New Zealand can beat England, I think they're pretty much gone.
1: Oh, look, it's, it's, it's going to be a fascinating finish. The last two games of that group, Australia have got, you know, work to do. Ireland are a chance. England have got work to do. You know, Sri Lanka look like they're out of it, but they've still got two games. You know, they could finish on six points and put the cat among the pigeons as well. It's going to be a tremendous finish in Group 1. And Group 2 shaping up as a really interesting group as well. I think, you know, India have their noses in front. Let's see what happens in their game tonight. But they look like they've got their noses in front. But, you know, a no result here, a no result there, an upset. You know, anything could happen in that group. You know, Pakistan start at 0-2. They could still get through. Um, South Africa... Uh, you know had that that no result against Zimbabwe and a win they're on three points but look it's just going to be a fascinating it's must see tv now for for the next week or so and yes there's been rain around there's been lots of talk of it i mean there's been four what four games washed out already and four no results and that rain affected game um between england and ireland that that had a result um there's been lots of talks to about the use of or the the non use of the covered stadium um in Melbourne, it was Dockland Stadium, then it was Colonial Stadium, and then it was Etihad, and now I think it's some superhero-sponsored stadium. Now, look, Marble. regardless, regardless of um, regardless of what you call it, it's a covered stadium in Melbourne, just down the road from the MCG. Um, an opportunity to play there. What are your thoughts on whether or not that should have been used as a ground for some of these group fixtures?
0: Uh, I mean, I- I'm sort of of the you know, I, I just think you can't you can't blame anyone for all of this like uh, people are getting really upset about you know the, which should be reserve days there should be you know we should be playing in the covered stadium all these sort of things but you can't really just you can't have contingencies and when you're going into this tournament because there's just game after game after game we've just talked about it I mean we we're even thinking now we were talking about when to record because you know we don't want to record Uh, You know, because there's a big game coming and then suddenly things are, you know, outdated. But And we've got India, South Africa tonight, but there are actually just no windows and the teams are traveling all around the country. Yeah, there's nothing they can. I don't think there's anything they can do. I think you you touched on something before that maybe is useful in terms of uh, actually, you know, not, not trying to put two games at the same ground.
1: Yeah, I can understand why they want to do it for, from a bums on seats point of view and an entertainment point of view, um, and it does save on a whole bunch of costs around, you know, marketing, game day events, food, beverage, all the rest of it, right? In terms of in terms of that kind of setup. But what happens is if both if one game is washed out, the other game is almost certainly washed out, right? So you get a you get a two for effect. So if you've got um, if you've got rain playing a part in the tournament, and in this and in this La Nina cycle that Australia is in at the moment, there is going to be more rain in Australia this summer than there there is on an ordinary year. That's going to play a part. And so I think the decision to have multiple games at the same venue on the same day creates additional risk. The challenge for me around using Dockland Stadium, and it was mooted by some very, very senior, very, very well-credentialed cricket celebrities. The challenge with that is though, that the teams that play at that venue have an unfair advantage against those that don't because the teams that play at that venue are guaranteed not to have a rain-affected game. Now, if you're playing in Perth or you're playing in Brisbane or you're playing in Adelaide, you don't get that advantage. Only one ground has that. And so unless you're playing all games at that venue, you're going to say, "Okay, well, if Australia play at Docklands, for example, in two of their five games and other teams don't get on, Australia have an unfair advantage. If it happened to be... India or South Africa or Zimbabwe or any other team in that tournament, those teams would have an unfair advantage because they would get to play more games. Yes, it's unfortunate that there's been lots of rain around, but that's cricket, right? That happened here at New Zealand on the weekend, right? We had rain-affected games yesterday and today. That's life. Unfortunately, weather is a part of cricket, as is human decision-making and a whole bunch of other stuff that makes the game fantastic. So I think we just need to – just give ourselves a bit of a reality check here that that things happen in life that are out of our control and we just need to be okay with it and be at peace with it rather than trying to control everything. Um, We do need to have contingency planning for knockout games. That's not a way to finish the tournament, but – there is contingency planning for that in terms of backup days for the semifinals and finals if we need to have that. So I think, yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of perspective there I think is appropriate. Um, but it certainly is going to make for some very exciting permutations to finish this group stage.
0: Absolutely. And, and um, maybe kind of just to, to finish our, our podcast, let, let's touch on a little, a few of those sort of challenges, I, I guess you might want to call them. We um, We talked a little bit, um, about South Africa before taking care of business, Riley Rousseau, Quentin de Kock, smashing it all over the place, and Onrik Nortje bowling lightning bolts. India taking care of business against the Netherlands. Virat back and back in the runs again, looking uh, you know looking every bit the the you know best batter in the world that he that he was. Suryakumar Yadav, you know again looking every bit. He the, is the, the best number batter one in the T20 world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, he's he's looking a million dollars as well. Like you say, this, this game tonight between um them and Sri South Africa is, is gonna be awesome and um it's such a massive shame that it's on at, at midnight here in New Zealand time. But take me through Australia. Obviously we talked last week, not the best performance against New Zealand, but bounced back in a really nice way, I think, against Sri Lanka. You know, probably in the end, maybe looked a bit more comfortable than it actually was at, at various times, but you know, Stoinis took down Hasaranga and that was the end of the game. Yeah, huge issue,
1: uh, huge innings, I should say, sorry, from from Marcus Stoinis. And that's why he's in the side, because he can get... 50 off 18, I think it was 59 off 18 or whatever it was, and, and won Australia the game. So that's that's why Australia stacked their 4, 5, 6, 7 with guys that can go big like that because they just back one of them to come off in in any particular game, as I think most sides do these days, right? Um, they've obviously said, right, well, we're not going to go with Steve Smith during this tournament, an interesting decision. But I think it's basically saying, well, we're going to expect four of our guys the, in that four, five, six, seven, 5, we, we're going to expect one of them to come off. Australia have got two key games here now. We've got Ireland and we've got Afghanistan. Afghanistan have had two games washed out. We have no idea what their form's like because they haven't played any cricket. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And Ireland are on a roll. So Australia have, have got work to do, um, but you would expect them to win those two games. The question for Australia is how well can they win them? How comprehensively can they win them? Because their current net run rate is well behind England. It's behind Ireland and it's way, way behind New Zealand. So if all teams end up on the same number of points, Australia is going to finish at the bottom of that group uh, because they've got the worst net run rate. But they have two opportunities to boost their net run rate with big wins over Ireland and Afghanistan to close out their group. Um, And that could put them in as high as seven points from their five matches.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, they'll be they'll be cheering on New Zealand, I think, big time against against England. Um, the fact that you know England slipped up there against Ireland kind of puts them on the back foot. And if if New Zealand can win, England will be. I think England's pretty much gone if, if New Zealand can win that game. Which you know, I'm sure New Zealand looks at and thinks you know this is a huge opportunity for us. I guess to kind of knock someone out. Same with Pakistan, they're probably cheer massively cheering on India to win their group. I think for these teams that are, have you know been beaten by teams that on paper they're supposed to have beaten, they're now looking to the team who has won all of their games to just win out the group, aren't they? They, mm. they want them to run the table with everyone so that all the other three or four teams are fighting for that last spot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, you want that team, that number one team, in this case, it's New Zealand at the moment that hasn't been defeated yet. And also India in group two, you know, the teams that are second, third, fourth want to be making sure that they're getting second. The first is effect, not out of the question, but it would be it would be another series of upsets for that to happen. So, um, yeah, most of those, you know, Bangladesh, South Africa, Zimbabwe and Pakistan are all looking at second spot in the group. And I think even as confident as England and Australia are, I think they're both eyeing up second place in that group. Um, but you know, if England can beat New Zealand, you know, cats amongst the pigeons in Group One as well. Like I said, it's going to be a fascinating conclusion to this group stage. And I think it just goes to show this format for a World Cup is really the best format that we can have. It's it's absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, look, that's that's probably another conversation for another day. That's a that's a, a, a big call, and I, I'm I'm as much as everyone uh, you know. Thinks that ODI cricket is dead. I still love ODI cricket. I'm I'm sad that it's uh on its way out, but I can't argue that this World Cup has has been an absolute cracker. And that's that's probably a good place to to wrap up this pod. Just a like you, like we said at the start, just a quick chat so that I could basically just uh, smile away for for twenty odd minutes about uh, how enjoyable that that uh, Glenn Phillips innings was last night. Uh, his emotions uh, was not. A lot more emotion from him uh, than, than there was in my living room, but there were definitely a few fist pumps every time he was hitting balls over the rope. So, yeah, let's hope he can continue that form and, and New Zealand can continue that form. And, uh, and yeah, probably next time we'll be talking, we'll be uh, into the semi final stage. So thanks, everyone, for, for joining us tonight. And, um, yeah, we'll see you again soon.